टर्किश बैट मिलेशिया एंड नाउ टर्की इज एक्चुअली राइट Uh, in a number of letters sent sent to the security council turkey is uh, to be to be noted turkey russia and syria both are a part of the asana agreement so in a number of letters to the security council uh, they have they have clearly mentioned the working on the asana agreement and they have said that uh, like you know under the asana agreement the pretext of fighting terrorism should not be used to complicate a situation on ground so now what exactly is russia and syria doing they are complicating the situation on ground right so see turkey taking vow to revenge and russian sea are fighting it it like uh, like and you know, you know uh, if turkey again invokes article 51 of the un charter and you know uh, like does a full blown invasion of christeria uh, like it uh, like a uh, full blown invasion of the of uh, rojava region like i mentioned earlier in the last podcast of the or the kurdistan region so see like international consensus that's it like uh e- even though we have so many uh, agreements so uh, so many uh, like you know conventions and so on so many talks asana agreement is still not accepted by us and uk they said it's it's useless it's rendered useless it, there's no there's no work done by that see international consensus is the only answer to the to the situation and turkey needs to you know hold uh, hold their horses and like just calm down like their their comment on everything is quite baffling to be honest so like uh, coming about the positive developments well the un special envoy to syria uh, gave his briefing where you know he um, stated that there were there was some consensus arriving among the parties in the um, constitutional committee recently the committee um, set for draft in the constitution of syria and um, like do you like obviously considering that these skirmishes have been taking place moreover even if these parties could come to a consensus on a new draft constitution 
um so do you believe that there could be any hopes for you know a free and fair election in syria or any constitution which would actually uphold the power of the people or the syrian people okay now see uh, like in my research paper i had mentioned this that what makes the syrian civil war not really a civil war is that there are 59 international delegation in the constitution committee 59 international delegations like see for us for for it uh, for what is a civil war like two factions within a sovereign territory of a of a country they are fighting with each other let's take algeria civil war that was truly a civil war what is happening here everyone is involved but coming to the point yes uh, absolutely see uh, if the if the constitutional committee uh, has been doing some great work it has been acknowledged by syria it has been by the assad government it has been uh, acknowledged by uh, russia it has been acknowledged by usa by uk now see if they are able to come to some consensus draft a good constitution that would be great for example i'll just take an example of the, of the current syrian constitution uh, if i'm not wrong i i i think i would be wrong but article 8 of the same constitution right like uh, it gives the state the power to or, like you know kind of control the press it mentions that uh, the press has the power to you know to uh, to like to publish anything but again the, there is a restriction on it and that restriction is not justified so this is exploited by the al-assad uh, government regime and they uh, they what, what they do they continue to exploit this and like you know they control the press very heavily being one of the worst place for uh, any journalist uh, to report upon uh, and like abduction and stuff so see like if they come to a consensus there is a proper elections free of uh, any kind of interference from iran from russia from the al-assad al-assad government if the will of the people is upheld then yes that would be great because that that was the crux of the 2011 protests against the al-assad uh, regime like that was the crux people wanted uh, democracy people didn't people had no people didn't want uh, isis to emerge people didn't want al qaeda to emerge they wanted democracy first and they wanted uh, liberties and they wanted uh, you know uh, they wanted economic development and they wanted other things other than you know uh, going into a civil war and uh like you know losing all their ideals for which they started this revolution you have totally agree and uh, like earlier you spoke about you know russia and turkey calming their horses down and you know deescalating the situation well um, you know russia and turkey have already been at heightened tensions when it comes to nagorno karabakh region and you found that one ceasefire negotiated between armenia and azerbaijan has failed um a russian broker ceasefire failed a us broker ceasefire failed and there has been increased human suffering there have been uh, more and more attacks on the azerbaijani cities and um, like what do you uh, like obviously in this very part you find russia which is trying to mediate between armenia and azerbaijan but you no know, still has a military base in armenia um, and would most probably support armenia in this conflict and you find turkey is completely supporting um supporting azerbaijan on the side and turkey is you know it's taking a stance wherein it says that the only way to solve this conflict is to give nagorno karabakh to azerbaijan so um what about this foreign interference do you believe this foreign interference has been key to ensuring that there's no properly brokered ceasefire that solves this conflict i mean see recently armenia azerbaijan both have tried to defuse the situations and this conflict uh is not something that is that has you know emerged in 2020 this goes back uh, to the time when uh, so the soviet union existed 
and this like it is it is a long conflict armenia azerbaijan they have always maintained some communication informal form like you know formal consultations informal consultations have taken place there are the four un resolutions on this but see when it comes to turkey right so a few days ago uh, uh, the like a french report clearly stated that turkey had you know like exported some uh, tur- turkish backed militias in syria to the nagorno karabakh region turkey outrightly re- rejected this report now the thing comes that uh, like see uh, it, it is under turkey sovereign right to reject any report but uh, as a, as normal people we know that this report is true this report is completely true because turkey is trying to meddle itself into this situation turkey is trying to meddle itself in, in the libyan in the libyan uh, in the libyan crisis turkey is trying to meddle itself in the nagorno karabakh crisis turkey is trying to meddle meddle itself in the syrian conflict so turkey like you know turkey is trying like, like i don't know what what exactly but turkey is trying to you know get a piece of cake from every every conflict now see like uh, russia what russia of what russia's official chance they want a, a ceasefire that is bro- a ceasefire to be brokered and they come and they want to defuse the situation same goes for ukraine do nobody right now do, they don't want you know they don't want to all blown out war so uh, come like for nagorno karabakh again a, a ceasefire i think a proper unsc resolution uh, under you know chapter 6 of the un charter proper unsc resolution under chapter 6 would do uh, would you know uh, would do it because because when whenever there is a war right the the people suffer the most the people suffer the most and the uses of long uh, uses of long artillery uh, artillery are are disturbing to be are disturbing to see so yeah and uh, even like uh, when turkey has been supporting azerbaijan they have been using american f16s and you know um, actually uh, azerbaijan itself you know i mean armenia it raised this issue and it said um, that you know why is nato getting involved in this why are nato arms ammunition being brought into this conflict so do you believe that nato can uh, uh, turkey being a member of nato can nato uh, other nato countries can it try to apply pressure on turkey to you know deescalate and work with them to ensure a ceasefire yes absolutely let me see nato nato is a very very strong organization having their own army i mean nato is something that should be taken seriously right so when it comes to nato they can of course do something they can of course apply pressure to turkey they can of course uh, be like uh, like uh, turkey you need to back down you need you, you don't need you don't need to support azerbaijan completely be neutral in this nobody is asking you nobody is asking you to get getting medal in this conflict see the thing is that if unsc doesn't come to a consensus fast if the national community doesn't come to a consensus fast see other clash between armenia and azerbaijan have been going on for a very long time we are seeing this in 2020 this or this also took place in 2010 or and also also earlier in the 90 yeah also earlier in the 90 so this like they have to come to consensus fast as because consensus is important and uh, nato can of course apply pressure nato in itself can work in a way so that turkey backs down and turkey kind of holds its horses and does not meddle, meddle itself into this conflict so like earlier uh in our previous episode we had spoken about the normalization deal that the us has been you know trying to negotiate with you know bahrain ue and now sudan with israel so you know um, a funny thing is that basically president trump entered a telephone call 
with the Sudanese leader as well as the Israeli Prime Minister Netanyahu, and uh, he, you know, doing the telephone conversation. The transcript is available. He um, literally asked them whether Joe Biden or according to him Sleepy Joe would be able to negotiate such deals. And Netanyahu clearly replied by saying that he would be ready to sir, ready to get support from any American. So, like obviously, it is stated by Trump. It indicates that he was trying to get votes out of this normalization deals. So, do you believe this normalization deals can actually stand firm enough? Because if it's another vote bank for Trump. Then how will these deals last forward, and how will he move forward with them in the first place? I mean, see, of course, Trump, uh, Trump indirectly, uh, you know, getting, uh, getting, uh, getting Benjamin Netanyahu support, and see, I, uh, I appreciate Benjamin Netanyahu for kind of giving a diplomatic answer. Now, when it comes to such kind of deals, such kind of deals are brokered. It doesn't matter what and uh, what your administration is present. Such kind of if if, if a deal is brokered by by Donald Trump, uh, any ambiguous admission is present. They have to adhere by it because, as I mentioned earlier in JCPOA, US is not having a revolution. US is having a normal, clean election of 2020. And of course, a uh, Trump, uh, when it comes to uh, international politics on the international forum, you are uh, Donald Trump is representing the president of United of America. He's not Donald Trump. He is the president of USA. So. There uh, or having international calls, right? Like uh, this one. There he doesn't need to mention his rivals. There he doesn't need to mention that uh, so quote unquote sleepy Joe won't be able to uh, you know broke 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 uh, break such deals. He has to like Donald Trump needs to understand that there's a difference between domestic jurisdiction and there's a difference between international forum. In domestic jurisdiction. Nobody cares in the national forum. Nobody cares that uh, how that Donald Trump may go on and say that yeah yeah yeah. Uh, sorry, domestic relation. Yeah, yeah. Sleepy Joe is this. Uh, Hunter Biden is this. Nobody cares about that. But under the national forum, when such kind of deals are being brokered, Donald Trump needs to kind of back down a little and make sure that he's a president and not Donald Trump for that moment. So like. um obviously with the with the us now beginning to expand its diplomacy and further we have looked at the 2 plus 2 talks with india as well as the uh, the us talks in the quad alliance which is the presumably the anti china alliance and so uh, how is uh, under trump how is us policy towards china actually being formed with these alliances the quad alliance and with these 2 plus 2 talks in india How do you think the US trying to you know divert its policy towards China as a whole? Yeah, I mean, see, when it comes to China, uh, like China has outrightly rejected the fact that uh, Trump uh, continues to call the coronavirus as China virus, even during its opening speech in uh, in in addition General Assembly seventy fifth session during the opening speech of by the head of state Donald Trump, he mentioned and I quote that uh, we have uh, like we have been stuck. Millions of people have died due to this "quote unquote" China virus. I mean, see Donald, see like Donald Trump is like clearly this is like passing the blame. Donald Trump has failed drastically when it comes to coronavirus. He didn't listen to WHO. He in fact backed out of WHO and he continues to blame WHO. Donald Trump needs to like see like uh like backing out of WHO and uh, like you know blaming the and blaming uh, China for it. it doesn't work out. 
true china has some hand in hand in china has uh, has played some fault but that doesn't mean that us is completely innocent right so uh, yes uh, being being in india right now even india is complete very hostile towards china it is very very hostile towards china and all the quad countries they they are also kind of you know diversifying their policies against china and china and china uh, like would it affect china i am not pretty sure about it because i don't study i didn't study that china part very deeply but as far as i know that uh, you know due to this uh, it is coronavirus pandemic people like what us is trying to do here that uh, it is trying to kind of co- co- collectivize all the countries collectivize all the countries and be like see whatever is happening in in south china sea what you are stuck in their homes the world economy uh, is uh, is like is crashing because of china so it is it is let's say it is kind of isolating china by you know uh, like holding such talks and uh, countries that are especially to hostile towards china it is kind of uh, yeah I- yeah yeah kind of like yeah i mean like you know you like brought up this point of you know isolating china which is extremely important i mean um, we are all aware like a couple of i think a month ago or so um, china was not voted to the ecosoc it lost many of its key votes so do you think with this kind with not only coronavirus even increased tensions with india the south china sea um, its tension with taiwan do you believe that the world is now you know beginning to isolate china I mean, see, vote to the UN. I kind of, uh, I mean, uh, as a person, I don't mind it because see, that's a completely different procedure. And now, when it like some uh, USA may champion this and be like, "Yeah, like uh, China is not an ecosoc. We won. China, you are isolated. You can't do anything." So, with that logic, uh, even Pakistan can be like, "India, you are isolated. We are, we have been selected to UNHRC, and uh, like, uh, and India is not been selected." hence uh, pakistan you know people here from the faith in pakistan and not in india that's not the case right we know that many countries still support india let's not let, let's let's not say i'm hostile neighbors right now because of the again modi government but uh, to the to the west countries do reaffirm their faith in india right so coming to the ecosoc vote i mean yeah i mean of course we can say that countries are kind of isolating china but again we are right because uh, i believe bri is a great tactic by china not only not only it's profitable for them but also diplomatically countries have to support them i mean think let's think logically can sri lanka go in un and be like china has been committing a mass genocide in the xinjiang region no right because sri lanka is flushed with chinese money and china doesn't take criticism i mean we have seen this in the case of nba like how china kind of like you no know, went complete in war with nba and we and we also have seen that any country that try, try tries to kind of criticize china china doesn't china takes, takes it very seriously on to the point that they can even cut diplomatic ties if they want yeah i totally agree so um, you know for the past uh, couple of weeks there has been this um, like very dense situation taking place in france um, like when they started with a with a beheading caused to a carton of coffin mohammed now uh, and it has gone this violent like with a recent um, attack just um, i think yesterday and so what are your comments on this because you know there has been debate upon um, freedom of speech as well as one on blasphemy as well so what are your views on this yeah i was reading about this right now now um, i was watching a video on video 
Oh, because see, Vion is kind of Indian propaganda to international news. That's that's how I call it. Vion is not impartial. Now, see what uh, what the countries are supporting France. What they are saying, their main point is the people who are protesting right now. Why aren't they outraged about the number of attacks that have take that have taken place? Why aren't they outraged about the fact that the Samuel Party was bearded? Why aren't they outraged about that? There have like oh, from 2015 to 2020, there has been a number of a, a rise in an in an in an attack and rise in the attacks uh, by you know Islamist terrorists, quote unquote, that France likes them to call. And now, when it comes to when it comes to France, right, their model of secularism is completely different. And now, like uh, Emmanuel Macron is trying to bring back 1905 and trying to strengthen 1905 uh, model of secularism, where you know they completely like even though religion and state uh, have been a complete like there's a wide difference in between them. State doesn't get involved in religion, and religion does not get in the in involved in the state affairs. Although there is a very good wide difference, Emmanuel Macron is trying to even more you know like like make it even more wider. It is trying to regulate the French Muslims now. Now let's listen to the part of the people who are protesting. From 2015, there is an organization, CCIT. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. There, like, there's an organization that uh, keeps a check on Islamophobia in France, right? From 2015 to 2020, they have recorded there's a high rise of Islamophobia in France. And also uh, recently, recently also that uh, two uh, two French women backstabbed backstabbed some ba- backstabbed a Muslim woman. Calling, uh, calling them, calling them dirty Arabs, right? Now see, hate crimes are from the both are from both sides. So this debate of of you know freedom of speech and blasphemy, you cannot define secular. You cannot define freedom of speech. You cannot define blasphemy, and that's the thing that everyone has to accept. Like, where do we draw the line? For for example, for me, uh, I I'll say that for me as a uh, I'll say that if you criticize the Arab government. It's blasphemy for me. Oh no, oh, I'm wrong. Sorry. Uh, if I say that, uh, if you criticize uh, Ma Durga, it's blasphemy for me. So maybe in West Bengal right now, uh, that person would be arrested, right? But 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 for 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 some other person, that may not be blasphemy. That that may be perfectly fine. Like, see, there is a. There, it is very complicated. That you cannot define secularism. You cannot define blasphemy. If we if we start to define, right? How many lines will we draw? There is the lines are uh, uncountable. Like even like uh, even in India, let's say cat, like, you know, uh, like uh, the beef lynchings, like the cow lynchings that have been taking place. Some countries have completely. Some states have completely banned beef. Some states have not. Now in Assam only, a BJP leader was like, uh, they feed beef to uh, the tigers, and that is the that is that is hurt that is hurting my sentiments. The the state government should do something for it. So what will the state government do? They will even ban this. So some some other person will say something else, and they will ban this. Like you cannot define it. The this is a very very uh, law like old debate between freedom of speech and blasphemy, and like you know, this will go on for a while. I mean, you know, uh, you see France, and you know, it's an example of democracy, secularism, and it has been going on like since the old ages, and it's been up till now. It's been a member of the EU. The EU has been a long-standing institution of democracy, um, but you know, there has been this increased amount. Uh, it, 
like people are much more tied to religion and anything else so when they find like obviously muslims when they find prophet muhammad being you know portrayed in cartoons don't you think that people who are making those cartoons should understand that these could be provocative moves that could anger the public i mean beheading is not justified at all but i mean violence could take place right as you see right now me see uh, i think i was watching one of a video of charlie hebdo uh, where they said that we make cartoons about everyone we make cartoons about every religion we make cartoons about uh, we make cartoons about christianity we make cartoons about jews we make cartoons about uh, muslims we don't care because if we start to care like uh, like you know if we start to care and we make sure that uh, sentiments are not heard then we won't be able to uphold secularism they say that every time they make a cartoon right uh some section some section of society the sentiment is hurt so what will do which will they stop no never now see of course so the like uh like uh, angela markel recently uh in her uh, in the uh, in in her government's parliament she said that uh she said in a very emotional way that you know uh, how uh, how that you know if they like this is blasphemy basically and how like uh, if these cartoon uh, how if these things are hurting someone's dignity then they should be stopped All right. Now see, we we cannot wrestling in India right now. We cannot do anything, right? It is upon. It is completely upon Imam Makran. Imam Makran has chosen this side. Imam Makran, Imam Makran. If he wanted, he could be like, okay, uh, okay. Uh, so uh, for for all the Islamic terrorists that have or the attacks have been taking place, the beheading has been taking place. We have to do something. Uh, maybe maybe secretly they could launch a all around surveillance around Muslims secretly, not public. But he has taken this side. right now he has said that we will i will uphold french secularism i will make sure that uh, i will make sure that his cartoons are continue to con- continue to publish we are not scared uh, we will we will not back down because of some islamist jihadist so like uh, i mean yeah like sure but the thing comes that when the whole muslim world is so outraged about these cartoons why isn't the same outrage so shown in the uh, in the case of xinjiang region why isn't the same outrage shown in the uh, shown in the of uh, the shown for for uyghur muslim and there has been credible proof there has been credible amount of proofs and uh, uyghurs have been crying out for help why isn't the muslim community coming right now why is in where is oic gcc arab league where is pakistan turkey when it comes to Like, yeah, when uh, it comes to boycotting China, yeah, totally agree. Yeah, yeah, go on. I mean, I'll, I obviously, I'll, I'll come to Xinjiang in like a minute. Uh, but you know, um, even um, like France under Emmanuel Macron, um, has you know, people have been accusing Emmanuel Macron of, um, of being Islamophobic. But during his election campaign in twenty seventeen, or even now as his position as president, he has portrayed himself to be a centrist leader who's trying to uphold secularism. So, uh, and he's been, you know, cracking down on quote unquote Islamic extremism. So, do you believe that people should be made aware of the fact that there is a fine line between Islamophobia and Islam and cracking down on Islamic? extremism yes yes see absolutely so there is a very good very good explanation for this uh, like if you know mehdi hasan he is a very famous journalist from al jazeera takes a lot of interviews mehdi hasan in oxford union uh, it was it's a, it was a debate where the topic was islam is not a peaceful religion mehdi hasan was against this motion and he had 
perfectly very very perfectly very integrately had shown that islam is a peaceful religion islam does not tell people to fight wars sure there are some you know verses in quran <clears throat> that say that you know we have to defend it but up to some extent so the people who say that islam uh, is a very you know is a war like religion islam is this islam is that if you put osama bin laden in front of them they osama bin laden will nod along osama bin laden will never oppose because the terrorists who use quran as an excuse they they like you know they use these few verses taken out of context and they tell them that see quran is sending us to do so we are allowed to do so now see when it comes to when it comes to just jihadist jihadist attacks islamophobia is very prevalent in france there is no arguing in that there is there is a proper report of you know uh, of some of of a watchdog organization that keeps a check of islamophobia islamophobia in france there is a proper report of, of them and they have shown that uh, like france france is suffering from france is suffering from islamophobia the thing comes that uh, the thing like as i mentioned earlier these muslim protesters are not outraged about samuel party right they have they are outraged about the cartoons why isn't the world outraged about the fact that a muslim woman was killed due to islamophobia in france why isn't the world outraged about the fact that islamophobia is prevalent in france why isn't the world outraged about the fact that after 2015 uh, after the charlie hebdo at uh, the attack in charlie hebdo office islamophobia is rising in france and uh, you know and the french the french ministry of interior they're not doing anything about it kind of they're like sidelining it manipulating the data and presenting it to the public so see if if the world has to be outraged it has to be outraged about all these factors also totally and like you know coming to the international reaction on to this very issue you know it's i mean to to be honest on my side i believe that the international reaction to this has just been you know political it's been hypocritical by so many countries and we're going to and this uh, to ask you like see first of all um, you know um, the foreign minister of india obviously expressed his support uh, for the french government's the democratic institution and um, so what do you think has been in play with these france indian relations that could possibly be affected by the current situation i mean see the perfect example was given by vion uh, like you know i was watching the uh, broadcast or the telecast will say they wanted that uh, india supported france because france wants to bring a uniform civil code that will you know uh, kind of uh, what should regulate all religions all right even france want to do that france wants to do that india also wants to do that so india has supported it but the motives india and france both want a ucc so they have kind of you know india has kind of held france back and like yeah yeah india is with you don't need to worry yeah so now considering you know the, um, pakistan's position on this where you know prime minister imran khan literally you know came up and said that islamic leaders should unite and uh, you know fight against its french uh, such kind of uh, crackdown and you know i mean the pakistan itself is like it's literally its economy runs on the people's republic of china which again you said and, and the facts are there it persecutes the uyghur muslims in xinjiang and there is clear proof even now when covid-19 cases are being reported in certain areas around xinjiang these labor camps or as the chinese would call it the re-education camps they are being exposed so like isn't 
Pakistan's position is completely hypocritical. And this considering even Pakistan itself funds terror organizations that kill Muslims even. Yeah, so I have a Pakistani friend, right? And uh, he always rants about how India is uh, kind of suppressing uh, Muslims, Kashmiri Muslims. So means at one of a point, his rant goes on too much. And I have to kind of support India because again, Pakistan is not completely innocent, right? So <clears throat> now the thing comes that uh, whenever he rants, right? He sends me BBC articles, he sends me Al Jazeera and tells me, see, these are international organizations that have condemned India. Fine. When it comes to Hugan Muslims, that person is quiet. If, let's say, if, let's say in a national forum, if I am representing India, that person is representing Pakistan. What will, what will Pakistan give the excuse about Hugan Muslims? Best excuse? Situation in Kashmir and situation in Pakistan and uh, Indian is not the same. These are two different situations. Doesn't work out. Pakistan's claim about uh, for, about the recent beheading, Pakistan's claim about anything, it like it their claims is deviated by the fact that uh, it continues to support China. It continues to support China with their persecution, and not about not about exposure. There's a proper uh, you know there is a Norwegian Norwegian Uyghur uh, Muslims um, Congress or committee, right? They have written a proper letter where they have kind of just justified everything. From China, uh, from China, like you know, launching a surveillance app to track them from the situation in the quote-unquote re-education camps. There is no uh, discussion about it that China is persecuting uh, like Muslims in the Xinjiang region. So Pakistan's claim is, of course, very hypocritical. I mean, see countries that say that they are the torchbearer of Islam: Saudi Arabia, Pakistan, Turkey, Saudi Arabia. There is a letter to Human Rights Council, right? Where a few countries have come together, Syria, Saudi Arabia, and a few, Pakistan, I guess, also. They have come together and they have supported China on the Xinjiang issue. Saudi Arabia is one of the signatory to that letter, right? So what does this show? Saudi Arabia is so outraged about, uh, uh, Saudi Arabia and their own country, uh, they they are so outraged about the fact that, uh, like, you know, blasphemy is being promoted in France, uh, about the Kashmir, let's about let's about the Kashmir issue. Uh, let's say if any Muslim is facing any uh, in problems in uh, any part of the world, Saudi Arabia is outraged about it. But when it comes to uh, Xinjiang region, Saudi Arabia is like, no, no, no. Uh, in Islam, we also allow correcting people. So what China is doing, it's completely right. So if this is not hypocrisy, then what will is this? Yeah, I mean, totally. I mean, Saudi Arabia, I mean, it it already, you know, is known. It's an autocratic state. And moreover, even, I mean, Saudi Arabia may be calling for a boycott of French goods and, you know, even saying that, you know, like, criticizing France. But after all, Saudi is one of the very countries that, you know, buy arms from France, which it uses in the Yemeni civil war to kill Muslims itself, right, in Yemen. And Therefore, I mean, right, it's completely hypocritic. And speaking of Turkey, I mean, President Tayyip Erdogan has made pretty good statements about uh, Macron asking him for going for a mental check, then even, um, you know, calling himself the leader of the Muslim world. So, you know, Turkey has not only supported China on the Yugo Muslim issue, it's even sent Yugo Muslims in Turkey to China. So they could be persecuted. So what's your view on this stand by yeah, Turkey? Okay. So uh, coming to the arms thing. Okay, see, the thing is that, um, I mean, uh, sure, French arms are being used in Yemen. France is responsible for the war crimes in Yemen. USA is responsible. 
तो आई मीन या अशोर शोर दॅट देर कुड बी अमेंडमेंट टू दिस अँड इमॅन मॅक्रॉन वुड बी लाईक सौदी अरेबिया हॅज टू has to make sure that it recognizes islamist jihadis only then we can sell arms to them and like sure that that could take place i mean see criticism condemnation does not always you know kind of delineates bilateral ties until there is a major situation this can be treated as a major situation but uh, i think there there would be a arms halt by france and france would be like no we won't support saudi arabia's war crime in yemen such a you know sudden turn is not expected but yeah sure it can happen now coming to turkey of course turkey reza reza erdogan like that per, like uh, that president is suppressing kurds uh, committing uh, is determined to like you know build hagia sofa and also it is like turning uh, museums into mosques like turkey is supposed to be secular so even its president coming out and saying that i am the leader of the muslim world it is highly hypocritical because turkey is a country that is supposed to be secular on paper if turkey will be like uh, yeah so the thing is that uh, we are not secular anymore and i support uh, the muslim people i am the leader of the muslim people so i mean sure it could be a personal statement but turkey is like you know in the national statement also turkey has criticized france for such kind of things so yeah it's very hypocritical hypocritical from their part so like according to indian standard time we are almost two days away from the us elections and you know it the voter turnout has been massive if i'm not wrong 92 million votes already um and so like talking about certain policy differences as is seen in the both the biden and the trump campaign um you know we've seen trump's immigration policy where he's been extremely he's been a hardliner on immigrants he's spoken about his border wall his uh, mexico border wall his muslim travel ban on um, on so majority muslim countries and he and whereas biden instead has you know proposed plans where he wants you know curb illegal immigration and you know rather give more you know give opportunities dreamers um, or immigrants to come into america so what's his stance or what what's your opinion on these very See, trump is a hardliner right winger already right? there's no arguing in that most of the trump trump's facts are based on fox news like you know maybe the white house rather than rather than you know giving a time of his life meliana trump he's watching fox news for sure see the thing is that trump Trump, uh, like Trump's border wall thing, Mexico border, Mexican border wall thing, have and being like you know being such a having such a having such a hard stand on illegal immigrants is sure is heartbreaking. When it comes to Biden, yeah, sure, of course, Biden is trying to curb illegal immigrants. That is fine. Uh, Biden, Biden's policies are kind of are kind of acceptable because yeah, Biden's policies are kind of acceptable because Biden makes at least to me. after seeing trump for such a long time in the national forum biden makes sense on the international forum right biden may will maybe will try to set things with syria will maybe try to set things in the nagorno karabakh thing biden will maybe try to set things in the jcpoa thing and like i mentioned earlier by like there is trump doesn't understand foreign policy and i think same goes for domestic policy if we see modi and trump right one of the one of the key differences is that that you know people worship them all right and 
that is frightening actually people uh, what is like when you when you go to vote you need to worship trump and modi they just need to make sure that they understand policies and about the voter turnout yes of course is a great thing and uh, you know in us in particular young people usually don't vote because they think that our vote won't make a difference but if that ideology is changing yes then it's of course is great I mean, you spoke about you know Trump not knowing foreign policy or understanding it. It's his transactional nature of foreign policy matters, and um, so like you know, Trump has had lots of um, fights with members members of the NATO, um, and you know Biden when he was asked about NATO, he said that the first thing he would do as president is to give a call to the NATO members and tell them quote unquote we are back. So like um, this very you know. you know the way we've seen biden go about this he rather follows a policy of multilateralism um you know by working other member parties to solve a particular conflict so what do you believe could be problems to biden's policy when he tries to enter as democrat in um, the white house or even as trump if he okay. would continue for four uh, more years biden does believe in multilateralism let's go with that because uh, like you know uh if biden biden uh, is in his proper senses biden will make sure that the, his quote unquote campaign promises does not meddle with international politics so when biden comes to if biden comes to power right he has to clear up a lot of mess a lot of mess that has been made by trump be it in yemen be it in syria be it in jcpoa jcpoa the major one in middle east right he has to clean up a lot of mess that that cleaning of mess will take a lot of time talking about nato yeah so the thing is about nato that trump that what trump feels that nato was made so that usa would give them protection cool article 5 of the nato charter understandable but nato nato the, all the nato countries have all, also have to pay a, amount, a small amount and also have to maintain a small army so that you know they could contribute to nato that that is that is not being done so trump of course uh, in in uh, in certain ways he is right and nato members have all you know have also to have to make sure that their obligations are fulfilled but like but the thing is that uh, if let's say if trump again comes to power he he thinks that nato is not working out he can very well back out of nato it's on him he can very well do that after backing out of nato will nato will does will nato have any power no right so that would lead, lead again spiraling of conflicts it would again lead to a question of debate if people would be frozen against usa especially nato countries they would be like you like what have you done this is not this is not this is not right this is not fair so if simple as if biden comes to power he has to clean up a lot of mess that has been made by trump so like uh, obviously in heated tension between us and china uh, we find that you know um, like um, trump is obviously peaking the he first started a trade war with china then after that now it's come increasing tensions um, so you know even biden's policy wouldn't most probably deviate so you know what have been the like what do you think could have been possible loopholes in you know the american response to china's influence under trump which could possibly be solved by biden in the future like uh, would it be more uh, based on multilateralism uh, would it be based more on see unilateralism or would it be more on an isolation I mean, policy 
Um, what would Biden do about China? See, U.S.'s response was very bad. First, now what would if like the trade war and uh, all other uh, comments made by Trump on the national forum? Biden can lead with can lead with multilateralism, but again uh, he would lose the support of India and the Quad countries. He doesn't want that, right? So what Biden would do? What I think he would lead a mixture of multilateralism. and a mixture of isolation we'll make sure that china is isolated enough it like you know it is not being able to influence the quad countries into bri or it is not being influence you know influence quad countries into coming in favor of china let's say let's say if an all out war breaks out between india and china right usa will definitely support india in that case and it will try to isolate china uh, from all sides but what would biden do when it comes to uh, china he would lead up like what i feel he would lead a policy of multilateralism and isolation he would make sure that he has contacts he has like he has good relations with india he has good relations with uh, the quad countries and he has good relations with everyone and like one of my friend he follows indian politics with great interest what he what he said to me once that if biden comes to power that is very very harmful for india because biden is not a person who will support india on kashmir Biden is a person who will be like Indians are like you know India has been uh, carrying out a mass genocide for mass genocide in Kashmir, all right. But if Trump comes in power, it will be great for India. So what would like see these are these are some analogies by me, by my friend, or by you know any other um pult or any other pult or international law people are studying international law and stuff. But what would Biden do? That's upon Joe Biden himself. Like, how would he go about China? How would he go about India? That's upon Joe Biden. Completely agree. Now, um, you know, even uh, once Trump actually went on to say that, um, you know, he would not submit to peaceful political transition because you know anything where he loses, he calls the system rigged. So, you know, what do you think would happen if you know? If not an election night, but if um the coming days it would to see that Biden was getting a victory, would and if Trump does not want a peaceful transition, would you like Human Rights Watch has been giving reports about this, and like this is the question: Would there could there be a prospect of a wide amount of violence, a great amount of violence in America? a complete protest movement which could escalate I mean, into sure. something bigger like let's for america sure a capitalist uh, a capitalist a pedophile uh, would lead a revolution and would make i don't know and i don't know what what he would do if he was able to you know make sure that this revolution was a was a success i mean i mean what exactly will trump trump protests do they will just go out and protest maybe break a few things and loot a few stores that's it I mean, uh, USA, USA, uh, under its domestic domestic jurisdiction, it's powerful enough to curb any kind of protest like this. I mean, Trump has to give to a peaceful transition. What if Obama came and said that no, 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 I don't want a Republican to sit in the office. I'll make sure that I will amend the. Uh, although it's very difficult to amend, but I'll make sure that uh, the U.S. Constitution is amended and uh, I have more terms in power. It's not possible, right? It's like sure, it's the fantasies of Trump, and it will be like that only. So like um, thank you a lot for being here with us it's been a great
time uh, talking to you and learning about your opinion on these very issues Thank you. and i mean thanks a lot and i look forward to having you here for you know a future episodes most probably after the election is over so yeah Moreover, thank you everybody for listening to this podcast. You know, follow the podcast, share it with your friends and family, and express your opinions, your views on the issues we're covering. After all, you know, we take all voices into account, and therefore, we love to see your feedback on all the issues we discuss. Feel free to reach out to me if you want to speak on any particular issue that affects us today. And um, I'm looking forward to um, giving you my next podcast episode. So, yeah, thanks.